seemed to run straight at him, then all of a sudden, he was on his back. Oh my goodness gracious me, what has he done done? Hello and welcome to the Professor and Barney podcast episode 18. Everybody's very excited and it also features Tom and Nick, doesn't it, gents? Hi, guys. Calling. Yep, that's that's true. Yes. Now, <laughs> um, it is a fact. Barney, how are you, mate? You holding up all right? Mate, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm very excited for sport to start uh, phasing its way back in. Um, uh, I can't say I watched the UFC. But uh, I heard about it, and uh, yeah, sounded great. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to watch it, as um, audio-wise. Um, <laughs> funny. Well, that, that's what I heard about it, though, because they had no crowd. Apparently, the the sounds oh, um, mate. were horrendous. It sounded like someone was like slapping, like you yeah, know, ham. like like a ham, like oh, like oh. it was like brutal. You could hear everything. Could you hear bones was, crunching? Yeah, it sounded like a hundred. Well, about maybe a thousand times someone walking their knee into the coffee table. Like it was that, it was <laughs> oh, those kind of, those kind of clashes. The best is you could hear like their winces. Like yeah. there's one guy that kicked the other dude with his shin bone and they both like simultaneously went, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Well, hey, while you were watching the UFC, yeah. I mean, the big sport that came back, everybody, the K-League, yeah. Oh. Yes. I thought you were going to say Paw Patrol, but yeah, no, K-League was <laughs> I awesome. I watched a lot of Paw Patrol as well. Uh, I mean, you, you, might, you said you went down a K-hole on the weekend. Is that what <laughs> you meant? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you watch a lot of Korean football. Uh, uh, when you go down all the divisions. <laughs> <laughs> James um, and it, oh, K-holes. Yeah. Now, How was the K-League, Professor? You were very excited. Oh, my God. I just, it, it, the standard is miserable, um, but geez, wow. It's, it's on grass and they're wearing boots and there's a ball they kick around. So I watched, I watched two games of K-League on the weekend. Who's your favorite team? But I've always been a John Bock Hyundai Motors guy. Oh, I've really? always said, mate, I've supported them since, oh God, Friday. So <laughs> see, I'm, I'm a big fan of the soul singers. They're, oh yeah. Uh, they're pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah um, they're, they're not bad. Well, they had, they they went down though, sadly, to Gangnam uh, FC three one. Oh. Yeah. But you know they were good early, Tommy. <laughs> they were good early. They play for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they they only play for thirty five minutes normally. That Gangnam oh. style of football too is, <laughs> oh, it is yeah. something else. It's yeah. very, you just and, want to sigh Nick, when you watch them. Nick, <laughs> your uh, your Pohang Steelers, mate. Uh-huh. They were very good. Two zip. Yeah, two zip. The Pohang Steelers. Um, yeah, I mean, we're hoping to have a three-peat um, this year. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many times they've won games or seasons, but <clears throat> <laughs> can they is award there... a three-peat in one year? I don't know. Well, this Mate. is the this is the Korean question that we're all asking. Mm. But um, so this K League is Korean League, Japanese League is the J League, Australian League is A League. Is there mm. a D a D League? Is there a um, probably a Denmark. massive D league? Denmark. Denmark is the D league <laughs> or Djibouti, uh, the F league. The F that's, league. That's France. Well, a lot um, of lot of players now are going to China to play in the C league. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you want to name people... any players, Barney? <laughs> no, no, nope. 
record. Um, there's also oh, the no. NK League, which is a North Korean league, which that yeah. was on the weekend. And um, you won't believe it, Kim Jong-un scored a brace for Pyongyang <laughs> Mitsubishi. Wow. Aerodactyls. And he I does most heard, weeks. I actually, <laughs> I actually heard he invented football as well. He did. Yeah, that's one of the <laughs> things that are coming out of there. Yeah, and <laughs> as we all know, doesn't take a shit ever. Pre-match, <laughs> nothing. Fact. Nothing. He does not shit. That's Nerves of steel. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> enough K-League. I think there's more on this weekend. Of course there is. But um, let's get into the podcast. Who would like to explain to the people at home that have just tuned in for the first time what this podcast slash vodcast is. Who would like to? Hands up, come on. I'll have a go, Professor. Yes, come on, Barney, good man. Basically, we look for something in the week in the sporting world, and then uh, we use that as inspiration to dive deep and get really deep in those annals of, mm, of yes. sport. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, we try and uh, chat about other times we've seen things that happened. So uh, usually Tommy does the in, in the light of, tells us what it's in the light of this week. Yeah. We, we dive deep into the pro state of the sports, don't we? We do. We do. <laughs> we are very. Yes. Into the old dusty walnut. We yeah. see what, what we can do from it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> deep into the dusty walnuts. That's Straight what we past do. the shelf to the dusty walnut. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what we do. And we milk um, the most interesting stuff. Yeah. We do. And what yeah. we do each week to kick off this wonderful podcast is we get Tommy to read a five-star review because yes. as much as we, we don't particularly like it, people leave five-star reviews that mm. uh, will get personal, um, get quite <laughs> insulting. And, and for some reason, they're entertaining to our listeners, not to us at all. But <laughs> yeah. um, Tommy, have you got one for us this week? I've got one for you guys. Um, it's by it's called Barney Gilmore. Uh, it's by Nick's Annoying Laugh. <laughs> wow, it's actually taken on a persona now. Wow, yeah. this thing is annoying. Wow. Yeah. wow, you should try and live with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it reads like this: uh, This podcast can essentially be seen as Barney recreating another hockey player, Happy Gilmore. Take a hot pile of hockey mess, throw them into the same the, into a new arena, golf for Gilmore, podcasting for Barney, and try and make their way through it. However, when Gilmore won his gold jacket, it seems Barney just suckled up to the professor for his gold jacket. Correct. But like most Adam Sandler, in brackets, including Happy Gilmore, they are just awful. But somehow people <laughs> still seem to be interested to go and watch them. Much like this podcast, there is something special about listening to four idiots and Brooksy. Hey, Brooksy, give a shout out. And for that, I say please keep this going for as long as possible. From a guy who listens to nothing but you day and night. Wow. I feel Five like stars. I feel like that is from Brooksy, because four I idiots so. and Brooksy. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of him as the fifth idiot. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and we'll get Brooksy back on soon. Well, that's great, Tommy. And we do encourage people, get on, leave a five-star review. Yes. Tell us what you think of us. Now, um, in the light <laughs> of essentially, yeah. what, what is our topic this week, Tommy? What is going on? Uh, in the light of essentially, I thought being the generous man that I am, I gave Nick a crack last week. Um, 
And I just thought, oh, thank you. like year five, everybody gets a turn at feeding or like changing over like the compost with the silkworms and whatever. <laughs> I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go. We do not understand silkworms. Yeah, silkworms. No, no, no. I meant worm farm. I didn't mean silkworms. We have both, all right? I went to a really privileged school. Um, so, guys. The uniform was made of silk. Exactly. Yeah, it's confusing. Um, like we had cocaine for little lunch. It was awesome. Um, guys. I'm going to let James have a go at this one. Oh. In the light of oh. essentially, James, you go. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to have a go at Tom this week about shirking responsibility because I did. I, I messaged him and said, look, I'm pretty keen to have a crack this week because obviously, like most of the country, currently I'm just my, making my way through films. Yes. Mm. TV shows, that sort of thing. And we stumbled across one the other day, me and the missus, um, called The Keeper. It's your, uh, it's your wife. Be respectful. Please. It's a it's a rom com. <laughs> this is uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jennifer Garner. It's very good. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, I thought it was about a person it. dying. I thought it was my sister's keeper. Yeah. Was, um, this, was this the one oh, where he um he got he got badly killed and by all those bees? <laughs> badly killed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a pretty standard killing. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was okay with it. Uh, no, that's the beekeeper. Uh, oh, okay. The rom com, okay. um, I think that's called Hope Floats, Barney. That's a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the keeper. Up. The keeper is it was 2000, end of 2018. It came out. It's all about Bert mm. Troutman. Um, it's, good name. It's, oh, it's mm. a great name. And this is the most unbelievable story. Is this a fishing story? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Allergic to salmon, ironically. He is. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me get this out. We're never going to get through this shit. Bert Troutman, former <laughs> Nazi. Paratrooper gets caught during the Second World War, ends up at a prisoner of war camp in Lancashire. Anyway, it turns out he is an amazing goalkeeper. And there's a, a, a guy who was coming to the local. I should, before I do this, actually say spoiler alert. If you want to see the movie Keeper, I'm about to ruin everything. Sorry, you are, said that at the top. You're very big on spoiler alerts. <laughs> yes, definitely. and I hate spoiler alerts when people spoil stuff and they don't say the alert. Mm. Like, you've got to also- say. Let's also keep in mind this movie was released two years ago and it never went to the cinema. So I don't think you're in that much. Let's also keep in mind it's a story from like 70 years ago. So I didn't, spoiler alert, 70 year old story. Anyway, coach of the local team comes in, sees him goalkeeping because there was a lot of goalkeeping going on in these prisoner of war camps. Realizes that his team stinks. St. Helens Town is the team, needs a new goalkeeper secretly gets this guy out of the prisoner of war camp to get him goalkeeping for them. Anyway, St. Helens town ends up being a really good team because of the trout man. Fast forward, long story short, he ends up in 1949 being the goalkeeper for Manchester city. Right. Wow. A team that has a massive Jewish following the day they sign him. There's 20,000 protesters out the front of the football club. Nobody wants them to play for him. Anyway, he ends up, winning the hearts of this club and winning the hearts of the UK, which how good do you have to be at goalkeeping for people to forget that you're a Nazi? Well, anyway, yeah. 545 appearances for Manchester City. Wow. Ends up in 1956, they go to the FA Cup final versus Birmingham City. With 17 minutes remaining, Manchester City is in front, 3-1. Mm. Old Bert goes to save a ball, gets kicked in the head. He's dazed, he's on the ground, he's not good, gets up, plays the next 17 minutes, makes another bunch of whole really good saves to stop them from losing. They win 3-1. When he's going up to get the trophy from the, I guess it was the Queen at that time maybe, Mm. people notice, mate, your neck's a bit crooked. Three days later, turns out he's got a broken neck and he played for 17 minutes with a broken neck. Anyway, 
tip of the iceberg there. There's all this stuff that happens to poor old mm. Bert. It is the most unbelievable story. Mm. So that got turned into a film. However, there are millions of stories out there, these amazing sports mm. stories that have never been turned into films. So today, Tommy, essentially in the light of that, we are going to be telling our favorite sporting stories that should be turned into movies. I, I, got that. I like to that think sounds good. I like to think we're pitching, pitching these yes. ideas to be turned mm. into it. I, I yes. feel like we need to do this as a pitch. I want to hear casting ideas. Uh, if you've got a title for your film, let's Perfect. hear it. Yes. I reckon. And we, we've got to imagine, because I'm a, I'm pretty sure that Rob Reiner and James Cameron both listen to these podcasts. Yeah, so copyright, copyright, copyright. Yeah, and they're we looking for their next movies. big thing. I mean, yeah. George Miller's down the road, so maybe we can do like uh, my happy, <laughs> happy feet, like maybe. You probably I, know him. My ones, I, I, I'm actually, mine was Dancing Penguins, so I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, Barney. Yes. You are, you are always our opening batsman. Mate, um, I am champing at the bit for this one. I yeah. am very excited. I've got a story uh, that I think would make a perfect film. Okay, so let me take you back. We're opening, we're set in uh, Los Angeles, early 1930s. We're talking the early part of the golden age of Hollywood. Hollywood's turning out uh, classics such as uh, King Kong, uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. This is the era of film when Hollywood film stars were proper film stars. And what did they love to do in their downtime? Play Drugs. Golf. Oh, okay. What, what was <laughs> it? Play golf. <laughs> Tommy. Um, probably, uh, who knows what else they got up to? Uh, they love to, to, to drink, party, play golf. So there's golf clubs turning up all over LA because LA is obviously a lot of open spaces, lots of golf courses. People are into it. Um, enter a man by the name of John Montague. Now, no one's really sure where he's come from. All they know is he's a solidly built man. He's got a weird set of custom clubs. He's got a driver that's double the size. The head's double the size of a regular driver. And he's very good. They reckon he could consistently drive the ball 330 yards off the tee, which is I know someone who could play those golf clubs. There could be mini driver. She could play that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no it would have to be maxi driver. Yeah, maxi, maxi driver. driver. Yes. All right, her brother, her brother. <laughs> <laughs> Big maxi <Brothers> driver. Maxi. <laughs> How has nobody ever done that? Oh man! That you is... could also get like Bruce Irons in there. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. Well, yeah. We, we need uh, a whole Mike set. Putter. Mike Sorry. Putter. <laughs> you know Johnny Flatstick. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Nigel Sandwich. <laughs> I was going to do the casting at the end, but this is very okay. good. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry thanks for buying in. Uh... No, no, no. Thanks for buying in. Um, so he he starts to befriend um, a couple of Hollywood actors who are playing. There's a guy called Richard Arlen who'd won the Academy Award, James, in 1928 for the mm. movie. Um, you know this? Yeah, of the course. Key, um, gone. The, yeah, um, gone with the wind. City Wings, Wings, which was the story of the band that um, that uh, came for Paul McCartney later. was yeah about to forty years later was going to um, going oh, to found wow. uh, prequel <laughs> yeah the prequel <laughs> the origin story <laughs> to yeah. that band um, anyway so he convinced him got to join a country club come join Lakeside Country Club which was one of the one of the fancier country clubs still around um, members include Humphrey Bogart Fred Astaire uh, Bing Crosby. Uh, Oliver Laurel, who's one half of Laurel and Hardy. 
Um, so he starts there, immediately makes an impact. So he, he breaks the course record with a with a round of 58. Uh, he wins the club championship within 12 months. So he's a hit on the on the course. Everyone loves playing with him. Off the course, he's a larger-than-life character. People love him. They, uh, he bets on everything. He's always having bets on uh, different holes. He bets people, I could hit into the... Um, hit my drive into the woods and still beat you on this hole. Uh, one of his favourite things to do was bury three golf balls in a sand trap, one on top of the other, and bet people that he could hit out the middle one, just the middle one, leaving the other two in the sand oh, trap. Oh, wow. Um, he was also known to prop open the uh, the windows to the clubhouse with uh, with like uh, highball glasses and then chip the ball out the window. Um, just... Just loved a trick shot, loved betting on that sort of stuff. Uh, he used to play regularly with Bing Crosby. Uh, one time, the story goes, Bing Crosby, um, after losing to him, is in the uh, in the the clubhouse afterwards talking about all the bad luck he had. And uh, he says to Bing Crosby, I could beat you using only a shovel, a rake, and a baseball bat. Crosby says, let's do it. So they go out. They go out to one of the par fours. He tees off with a baseball bat, knocks it down, puts it in the bunker. Chips out of the bunker with a uh, with a shovel, and then putts with a rake to make a birdie, uh, beating Bing Crosby's four, which he done conventionally. No, that's awesome. So yeah, so this is the sort of stuff he's doing. Like he's, having he's said that, he sounds like in that era he would have been like a really cool like attraction, and like that would have been like really like oh that's amazing. Now if he did it, you'd think oh this guy's such a dude. Yeah, and you'd be but like yeah. oh my god, he's back on TikTok again. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. Is, day off, you lose. Oh, oh god, oh. he's talking to bloody Channel Nine News again about how he <laughs> yeah. did it with chopsticks this time. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Tommy, you'd be thinking not... wanker. You'd be like, yeah, what you... a wanker. Well, it's not just golf, Tommy. He's he's got a reputation. He's claimed he's the strongest man in California at this point. Like there's stories, and I don't know how apocryphal these are, of people wanting to change a tire on their uh, on their car, and him being able just to lift the end of the car up so they could change the tire. Um, another story is he once wrestled. 12 men at the same time in the clubhouse. Um, the, the which clubhouse room. was that? Lake Turkish side? oil wrestling. Lakeside? Turkish oil wrestling. Um, the, was, it a, was it a bath club? Bath? <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, he, is, um, that, is that where he binged Crosby, was it? <laughs> <laughs> he was binging everyone that day. Well, there was an actor called George Bancroft around at the time. He used to play a lot of villains. He was a six foot two, 270 pound guy, 122 kilos. Um, the story goes once time they wrestled in the locker room and he turned Bancroft upside down and stuffed him inside a locker. Um, you know, school bully style. Mm. Um, he, one of his other favorite party tricks was when Oliver Hardy was just standing at the bar drinking. He'd come in. Now, Oliver Hardy, by the way, if you Google him, he is a big man. He was the original Hollywood fat man. Uh, he was about 300 pounds, which is about 136 kilos. But his favorite trick was to go in, pick him up with one arm and sit him on the bar and say, what are you having, babe? Uh, to everyone's, everyone's amusement. Apparently, he used to do it all the time. Mm. and um, That and would make never me ruffle. It was never not funny to everyone around. Really? One of those yeah. jokes that a perpetual joke. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I feel I TikTok like, wasn't around yet. So they, yeah, the I, thing, they don't know what that is. I feel like that was a funny, it was never not funny because it wasn't them he was doing it to. So they were just nervously. There's a lot of, there's a difference between nervous laughter and yeah. gosh, that guy's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> 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 funny. He yeah. Um, well, maybe they thought the bar was going to break. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, so what happens is right. So he gets this reputation, like everyone's talking about him. But and so the newspapers start to, you know, start to uh, report on him a little bit. Um, mm. There was a uh, there was a the most famous sports writer at the time, Grantland Rice played a few rounds with him and then wrote a, basically wrote an article saying, look, I'd back this guy against any golfer in the world anywhere. Right. So he's starting to get this reputation that he's the greatest golf, potentially the greatest golfer on earth. Um, weird thing is he will not enter any uh, tournaments other than club championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want a whole mm-hmm. lot of attention. Doesn't do interviews. Doesn't like his photo being taken. Uh, in fact, what he was known when he'd hear the click of a camera to go over to the photographer, rip the camera off and rip out the film and then offer them a hundred dollars to go away. Um, right. which is odd behavior, right? Mm. Eventually time magazine, uh, uh, decides we need a photo of this block. Right. To sell watches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It started as a catalog. It did. <laughs> Um, loads of pictures of watches yeah so so times person of the year actually started as times watch wearer of the year yeah (laughs) Yeah. actually the first it was soft core soft uh soft core uh chronography (laughs) 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 anyway so time magazine sent a photographer out he hides in a tree takes a photo snaps off two photos quickly knows that he's coming so he takes the film out hides it uh, wraps it up, gives it to his brother, who's also there. His brother stuffs it in his pocket, puts some more film in it. So by the time he comes over to uh, snatch the film, it's just blank film that he takes out of the camera. <coughs> brother gets away. They publish these two photos. All of a sudden, there's two photos. Pretty unremarkable of this bloke. Anyway, all the way over in uh, New York, near Syracuse, there's a, uh, a New York police inspector who's reading Time magazine and goes, geez, that bloke, looks a lot like Laverne Moore. Laverne Moore, the former, uh, former rum runner, former uh, minor league baseball pitcher who is wanted in New York for an armed robbery on a roadside speakeasy in the late 1920s. Yeah, right. So they go, we found Laverne Moore. This explains it. He gets arrested in Hollywood, um, finally starts to do some interviews, right? He, He says, all right, Game's up now. I'm Laverne Moore. Let's let's do some interviews. I'm getting extra dotted to New York. Basically says, oh, it's just a mistake I made as a kid. Just a mistake I made as a kid. He's a Hollywood, uh, a darling of the Hollywood glitterati. So by the time he gets to New York on the train ride, this is this guy's supposed to be so charming that he's charmed the guy who's there, to, the copper who's there to escort him. Said, oh, he was a lovely fellow. We had he was very entertaining on the trip across country. Um, then there's throngs of public there to to meet this bloke, this Laverne Moore. Hey, he's coming back, goes to court. Uh, basically, one of his one of the uh, accomplices says, yep, he was part of our gang. Another one says, no, he wasn't. His mum gets up, testifies, says, oh, no, he was home in bed. He gets up and says, yeah, I was home in bed. Um, never explains why he changed his name and moved across country. Um, mm. The jury go, good enough for us. Uh, acquitted. <laughs> the judge goes, nah, jury, that's the wrong verdict, but you're idiots, but I've got to, uh, I've got to uphold yeah. the verdict. Let's him go. He's finally free to play professional golf, which he, uh, he tries to do. And he plays in several tournaments, never makes the cut, dies in obscurity. <laughs> so I think we need that to That is the unbelievable. What a story. It is an amazing story. Now, casting-wise, oh, I yeah. had no idea. We need a bloke. So he's described as about five foot ten tall. Yeah. Uh, he's strongly built. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's charming. He's a guy who is able to uh, to charm people. Guys, I've got an idea for who could possibly play this. Um, I'm bringing this image up. I'm thinking Tommy Tuxedo Erskine. Right. <laughs> Let me have, have a, a look, look at this. Have a look at that. Oh, wow. Goodness me. We do oh, look yeah. similar, actually. You do. Yeah. Tommy, Although, this is the role you're born to play, mate. Do you think, yeah. Tommy, if we organise it, you'd be right to wear lifts? Because yeah. obviously yeah, Barney five said 5'10". So we'd have to... I don't know about six well, inches. I'm, I'm 5'10 on Wednesdays, uh, <laughs> five, nine and a half every other day. Mate, What's, what happens on a Wednesday to give you half an inch? I do the old <laughs> North Melbourne get up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen me in a pair of wedges? Holy moly. <laughs> I love it how you described it as the North Melbourne get up. <laughs> that is wonderful. Good reference. <laughs> um, yeah, I so actually, I he's got the same hairline as me. Mate, Mate he looks like he you. He looks like you. He's a handsome devil. This is the role you've got you a pin tie. Tie pin? Sorry. <laughs> Mate, this is the role you were born to play, Tommy. You've got to be charming, but yes, yet still a bit dangerous. <laughs> you you play know. golf, don't you? I do. I do. I've I've tried to hit a, a hit a, a tumbler a, a ball out the window before, and it didn't didn't, didn't go so well. Didn't, didn't go so good. No, <laughs> mate. Very good story, Barney. Well done, Barney. Uh, did you have a name a for the movie? I don't know. Maybe um maybe uh, dangerous drive. Um, or that's... maybe before Google. Um, because That's there's a good. lot of claims <laughs> there's a lot of claims that couldn't be backed up back yeah. in those days before you yeah. could yeah fact check yeah. <laughs> i was thinking uh bourbon and balls that's bourbon good balls. nice yeah, good. that's nice. good um fat guy fools a nation that's good <laughs> um all right um i'll go second if everybody's yeah, okay with that. Sure. all right i want to uh talk to everybody about a young kid called jason McElwain. Now, Jason you might, right. some of you guys might actually remember this because I think it almost made news down here and it was, it was right around the, the right time that we would remember. So it happened in 2006, in February 2006. This kid was a student at the Greece Athena High School um, in the US. And Whoa. sadly for Jason, he was born with autism. Um, oh. Yeah, which, you know, he, he, was a, he was still a sports lover, still played a lot of sport with his brothers. He loved baseball, loved um, cricket. Probably not. He was in America. We're not saying that. Um, <laughs> you never uh, know. Football. He hey, may yeah. have loved cricket. I just I started <laughs> thinking it was sport. me. I loved yeah. cricket. Yeah, school. <laughs> More than um, one similarity here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so it was decided uh, because of his disability that he wasn't good enough to make the basketball team in his is at in his senior year at school. So the team said, "Well, mate, we'll let you be team manager." Which, nice. I mean, mm. is you know basically he became their schlep. So he was mm-hmm. kind of the way know. we let Tommy be part of the podcast. Yeah, totally. exact same thing. But, you know, Tommy they has to get his drinks. The laund- they all send me the laundry. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> he has to clean our, our jackets and jerseys after. You they, know? Uh, they, those clothes are literally drying. <laughs> they're yeah they're not, our clothes they're not for show the ones your undies made me sick mate there's a bunch of jerseys hung behind tommy we are um, yeah um it's not a set it's yeah yeah it's it's his washing so yeah it just sort of menial tasks you know he had to wipe up sweat off the court he had to give the coach a massage post-match all this stuff whoa that's things that <laughs> you had to do that can't anyway. be a thing right Last game of the year, February 15th, 2006. Um, old, his coach, Jimmy Johnson, um, 
great name for a coach. Bloody hell. Says, all right, Jason, I want you to suit up. I want you to get into the uniform. And it wasn't, and you hear the coach talk about it and he says, he never thought in a million years he was going to put him in. It was just so that he could let him feel what it was like to sit on the bench in a uniform. Anyway, Jason, <laughs> suit up. You're up against Spencer Port High School. It is the championship game. Spencer Port. You know, they were a great side. Decent side, not a lot of depth in their shooting talent. If I have to, mm. when I yeah. did my little research, my six minutes mm. worth of research, but they were good. They were coming in. They were a chance. Mm. Four minutes to go. Greece Athena, they're up by 20. Coach Jimmy Johnson stands up, points at number 52 and says, Jason, you're in the game. There's about 2,000 people in this stadium. They lose their mind because they love Mikel Wayne. Mikel Wayne starts year- to swell. It, sorry? Music starts to swell. Well, in my movie, it does. <laughs> yes. 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 Hans Zimmer starts on the old violin yeah, at this beautiful. point. <laughs> builds, 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 right? So in he steps, Jason. Crowd starts ch- ch- chanting, Jason, Jason, Jason. 2,000 people going nuts. He steps onto the court, right? They managed to get him open for a shot. It's a 20-footer. It's just down on the baseline. He shoots it. This thing misses by two yards. It's an air ball. It's Damn called, near kills a cheerleader, right? It's called a Barnett shot. That's it was what yes, a Barnett brick. That's what he threw up there, right? <laughs> anyway, crowd goes silent. They're like, oh, my God. Why have they put this poor kid in? Yeah. This is going to no. be a massacre. What have they done? Right. Mm. Get him open for a second shot. He could have just done a set jump shot. No. He decides to do a little baby left hook runner that clangs off the back of the backboard. I'm like, mate, just relax. This is your second shot ever. What are you mm. doing? You're not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just do a regular shot. Again, crowd, this time there's a bit of a sigh. They just want their boy, Jason, to get this shot off and to make a basket. And then third shot. We're at the corner. We're at the 45 on the right-hand side. He lets this thing go. It's a three-point shot. It never looks like missing. Slow-mo. The crowd, swish. The cra- of course it's slow-mo, Barney. <laughs> Beautiful. Why would you even say it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Crowd loses their mind. Miguel Wayne has made this shot. Everybody's up. The camera's shaking. Uh, people in the stands, they're worried about the stands collapsing. I think I would have been if I was there. They didn't look structurally sound. Anyway, <laughs> they're losing their mind. Um, and that, after that, now this is in his words. Old Mikel Wayne, when they interviewed him after. You caught fire. I just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. This kid oh, yes. then makes the next five three-pointers in a row. He is unconscious. He is <laughs> turnaround jump shots. He's catching. He's shooting. He's At one point, he threw it between his legs. I don't think he did, <laughs> but I'll roll the vision. He, he cannot miss. And with every shot, the crowd just goes up and up oh and up. It's become a circus. The chaos, it's just madness. And then... His coup de grace, right? His, his big finish to put a nail in Spencer Port's coffin. Buzzer beater, a foot out from outside the three-point line. He launches this thing. It's got snow on it when it comes back down. Swish, crowd clears. They run onto the court. They hoist him on their shoulders. They're chanting, Jason, Jason. This kid reaches for the skies. And I think everybody froze. And wow. then And then, you know... Credits roll. Credits roll. It oh was, my God. Can, got, can, I'll, now, I'll roll the vision in. It's, it is unbelievable. Can we, can we also have at the end after that, that I think I love in the credits is a still shot of each of the main characters. That like, says what they went on to do. Yes. Mm. 2006 ESPY Awards, best moment in sport in 2006. They give it to Jason McElwain. So he's up against Kobe Bryant scored 81 points that year against the Toronto Raptors. 
Tommy, I think you remember. Don't that. need to go into that. Um, <laughs> there was a 13 year old girl that played in an LPGA event, but he was up against that and he won best sports player, best sports moment of the year. This kid. That's awesome. Jason yeah. McElwain. Take it. Uh, yeah. uh, mate, I was, uh, and I, when I roll the vision, I was crying. I was, uh, so I've, I've been thinking about the movie. Obviously, I'm going to direct. Well, I'm not going to direct. I'm actually going to okay. first AD because I'm, I've thought of a director that I want to make. I want Harold Ramis to make it. And I know what Harold you're thinking. Didn't he's, he's dead. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I'm never going to make the movie. It's all make-believe. I'm not going to be able to get any of the actors. So surely I can pick a dead director. Can I, I was going to say, I was going to say, it sounds like I'm going to be busy for a while as main actor. Oh. Well, you're going, to be, you're going to be playing Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy I Johnson. I, I, I thought I was bring the pain McElwain. That's well, all I thought ah. I was. No, I've, I've got the actor to play Jason McElwain. I've gone Dustin Hoffman because... Uh, he's had practice. Reprise well, yeah, and he's 75. Yes, he's playing a 16-year-old kid, but he's got range. And yeah. how good was he as... as um, <laughs> As the Rain Man. Rain Man. <laughs> also, we've seen in the um, the Irishman, they can oh, de-age these guys. Yeah, they can de-age. Yeah. So That's Dustin it. Hoffman, then By I've like got actor to play Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I've got Tom Hanks because I want him to reprise his role as Jimmy du- Jimmy Duggan from A League of Their yes. Own. You know, there's no yes. crying in baseball. Oh, there's that's no crying in baseball. That, I want him back. Yes. Um, love that, interest, what? Emma Stone. Mm. Just because I've got a bit of a thing for her. For what? Jimmy or the, the uh, McElwain? McElwain. McElwain love interest. Old, old Hansy AD Rochford. Yeah, or is that for the first AD? <laughs> I would just yeah. like to know. Um, actor to play his best friend. You know, the supportive kind of kooky guy. Michael Sarah. Yep. I think he's perfect. Oh, yeah. As in George uh, yes. Michael from Arrested Development. Yeah, like, like him. Um, you know, he always believes in Jason, you know. He's, yep. But he's worried that if he keeps pursuing this, he's going to get hurt. And finally, actor to play the villain, Joaquin Phoenix. So, who's, who's the villain in this? Oh well, uh, sorry, I've, I've written a villain in. Um, <laughs> so, there's a character played by Joaquin called Kyle or Brad. Yep. And anyway, in the film, Brad earlier on he shoves Jason at like a movie oh, theater or yes. at like a, a roller skating rink yeah, or something, like spits yeah. in his popcorn or something. Yeah, and, and because he's 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 oh. after Jason's girl Emma Stone. It's yeah. kind of my girl Emma as well, Stone, right? But, yeah, he, but and he and he says you'll never win an SB. Yeah, <laughs> shoves him right. <laughs> then just nice as picture. fate would have it, just as fate would have, four minutes to go, he checks into the game. Guess who's guarding him? Oh. Kyle Brad. Kyle Bron James. No, Kyle Brad. <laughs> um, so you know Kyle's there because we got to remember. Okay, this kid did that. There was someone guarding him who for yeah. the rest of their life is known to the guy that the autistic kid drops six threes on. They're, that guy does exist. I like mm. to think at a certain point, there were two people guarding him because we got to double team this kid. Probably. <laughs> yeah. um, we got to shut him out of the game. So you got to think Kyle Brad's out there. Um, he's guarding can, him. Can you I know. just say very quickly, did cool. they win the game? Yeah, they were up by 20 and he scored 20 points, Nick. Oh, Have you wow. never seen basketball? Well, you said he shot a buzzer beater. So while he was on, they obviously turned to shit offensively. <laughs> no, buzzer beater just means you beat the buzzer. It doesn't mean you've won, hit the uh, buzzer. generally win means you win. Okay. Oh, oh semantics, man. <laughs> Let <laughs> me finish my story. Clean your act up, man. Something so, about Emma Stone and get your f***ing story straight. How about that? MS Donny, <laughs> he's got a bad casting. Is that what you're saying? Is it father figure. He could be his dad. You got to, you got to, you got to go to that international market too. 
I would oh, love man. it. I would love it. Bums in seats. Oh man, I'd love it on the first day of shoot. Um, and first AD Rochford puts a bouquet of flowers and Emma Stones, where he thinks Emma Stones is in the room. And it's Emma Stone. And it's Emma Stone. Sorry, I see you. Uh, my ears are blocked. I thought you said I got more excited about MS Doney than I did Emma Stone. That's really sad. Um, I just like to think it'd be nice for Emma Stone to to have MS Doney on on set. So they're both. Oh my God, Rochford keeps creeping on me. He's creeping on you. Oh my God, he left this, right before the big game, and they know they have to win, and they know that traditionally Spencer Port, they they have. They finish strong. And so Mikel Wayne talks to his father, who is MS Doney, about how do I win at the last minute? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like writing it. this down as we go. Yeah. Now, let me tell you. So he checks into the game. Mm. Kyle Brad, Joaquin Phoenix is there. Joaquin Phoenix will say something to him like, huh, mate, I think, I think they need their water bottles filled. Right? And of yeah. course, Jason's got nothing to say back. Jason then throws up that first shot. Clanger. Then, of course, you know... Um, Kyle will say something to him like, um, oh, I think they need their towels refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. belong here, Jason, you chump. Yeah. Like that, yeah. right? Yes. Jason, of course, when he misses the shot, has to fall over. And then Michael Sarah helps him up mm. and says, you don't have to do this, Jason, right? Yeah. But, you know, of course he does. And Jason. your dad's one of the greatest cricket players ever. Yeah. Your dad's loaded. <laughs> don't live in Mumbai. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so he says, no, fighting back. He's obviously fighting back tears at this stage, of course. And he says... <laughs> I've got to do this for Jimmy Johnson, which, uh, and I didn't, earlier in the plot, I'll set up that Jimmy Johnson has some sort of terminal illness. We'll oh. get back. That's, that's earlier in the movie. So he's doing it for his coach. Tom Hanks, now has Tom Hanks is back in his Philadelphia role. Yes, either that or he's got COVID-19 on the Gold Coast. One of the yes. two. We'll yeah. work that out. Yeah. Jason then, <laughs> slow motion, Jason nails six shots. Crowd All goes slow nuts. motion. It's yeah. all in slow motion, it's a, it's and I thought it could film. be <laughs> it's a twelve-hour epic. Yeah, he's hitting the shot, and then Joaquin Phoenix comes over to Jason and shakes his hand and says, "Nice game, McElwain." Then he pashes Emma Stone. Credits picture of who, Jimmy Johnson who died. So who pashed Emma Stone in the end? Well, <laughs> McElwain, bring the pain, oh, McElwain. McElwain yeah, pashed her, and then I. In the caravan later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to think this whole thing's set up for me. There's too. a photo of James in a leopard print G-string at the end. It's yeah. in black and white. It's the light. first AD and Emma Stone. Yeah. Lived and it has hashtag three-way is the only way. Yeah. So anyway, an actor to play uh, his mum, Sandra Bullock, because she was good in The Blind Side. Very good. My film will basically be a rip-off yeah. of that. That's amazing. Um, I stayed up all night on this one. Yeah. Make it rain, McElwain. Nice. Oh, yeah, nice. Yes. That's it, starring nice. MS Doney. Um, four and a half stars. <laughs> Limited cinema release. All right, well, that's... Um, hey, that's good. I like it. I like it. Make it's it rain, controversial McElwain. at best, Mate, but I like it. We've got two films, I reckon, that are, are uh, ready to shoot here. We can greenlight both of those. Yeah. Who's Oscar next? Nominated. Let's go, Tommy. Sh shall I go? Sure. You shall. Um, so I've got a quick honourable mention, um, and this is the story of Billy Misk, uh, the 19, uh, 1920s boxer who um, who had, was a professional boxer and he fought for a world title and got KO'd. Um, but at least he was there, eh? You've got to give yourself a chance to win it. Also, very, very quickly, Billy Misk, the worst name to move a house 
with because all the boxes will have misc on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just got kitchen misc, uh, office Well, misc. maybe he is a collector of adult toys, all right? <laughs> Isn't that what people put in the boxes that they have misc written on? Yeah. So no one opens them? <laughs> I only just got it. <laughs> wow. In my head, I'm spelling... You've moved recently too. I did. And we had a shit ton of misc boxes. <laughs> <laughs> on misc, M-I-S-K. Kitchen misc. And then I'm thinking what? misc, the town in Russia. I'm like, what the hell is he talking? Misc. Got it. Sorry. That is. Okay. Not part of the story, but I like where that oh, went. Very, yeah. Sorry. I am um, slow to <laughs> So this guy was known as the, the St. Paul Thunderbolt. And he got diagnosed uh, three years into his professional career with a kidney disorder called Bright's disease. Uh, he couldn't mm. fight and the doctors gave him a month to live. Um, but he had $100,000 worth of debt um, and he knew he was going to die and he wanted to give his uh, kids uh, a great Christmas at the end, uh, one last great Christmas. And he went back into the ring in 1923, a month before he was like, meant to die and wow. fought one more time. He fought his, like, his arch nemesis. Um, a guy called Bill the Cancer. Brawler Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> and he, in the fourth round, knocked out Bill Brennan. And he wow. didn't train because he was too sick to train, but he just got into the ring in 1923, knocked him out, took home the purse of 3000 US dollars, and they had a pretty epic Christmas, I think. So that was my uh, my honourable Okay, mention. so is that a short film? What is it, like a little 10-minute Oh, it's just, you could even do a silent film. Silent um, film? You know, and and sort of like... Ham- Sorry, how quick. much was how much was his debt, Tommy? I'm just doing quick. A hundred thousand. I mean, and his he family were free still, but he's having a Christmas. Kids, you only owe ninety-seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was kind of. I was hoping to die in the ring, guys. If I'm honest, <laughs> this, this guy sounds like a bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, my real story is that of the Portuguese pepper pot. I'm talking about Ralph Nevers, the, the American jockey. Uh, I looked up what Portuguese pepper pot means or what pepper pot means, uh, as that was his nickname. And it literally just means a pepper shaker. Um, but mm. there's, a, or a small lighthouse. Um, so his, his nickname was the small lighthouse. Um, so I, I, don't know, I don't know why. Um, but born in 1916, uh, he was born in Cape Cod. Very lovely place. Have you guys, have you been to Cape Cod? Oh my God. It's beautiful. <laughs> I don't think that's important. Yeah. The story. It's absolutely mate, gorgeous. You can what time are you used best, mate? Uh, you, you want to go around like the lobster festival. So you right. can, you can, cause it's near Lane, Maine and you can have like, you can have. Yeah. And of course, it, and do you go after Labor Day? Do you? You do go after Labor Day. There's pumpkin pies everywhere. It's beautiful. Mm. Everybody's letting off fireworks in their boat shoes. Um, <laughs> But not important to the story. Why would you put story. fireworks in your boat shoes? That is insane. <laughs> I mean, they've already got 12 pairs. So it's oh, one you? more pair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just effortlessly like tie a sweater around your neck. Um, but moving on. Uh, he was born into a very poor uh, Portuguese immigrant family. He was a oh, well, sec- Hang on. <laughs> Cape Cod, it's lovely. Everyone's yeah, really- yeah, yeah, yeah. So was he tying one guy. He didn't do any of this. Oh, God, no. I feel like now we know why he's a hundred thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> no, this is a different, different guy. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. This is Ralph Nevers, the jockey. All oh, right, sure. Misky's gone. He's dead. 
Miska's gone. Um, yeah, so he he also he decided that he needed to make some money. And one of the big industries at that time that was booming was uh, horse riding. And he wanted to be, he became an apprentice. He became an apprentice jockey. Um, but through that process, he also did a, he was in a, a movie where he played the stunt guy for Robert, uh, Roberto Daro in a, uh, he played a cowboy, but he was a lot smaller. So he just did all the scenes where he, where he fell off. He was yeah. falling off the horse. Um, but he wanted to, he wanted to make it as a race, a racing jockey, not just a, not just a stunt guy. This guy, like he ran, he won, he won 3,772 3, races. Uh, only 170 of them were stakes races. He wasn't like a big deal jockey. We're not talking like he wasn't riding group ones. He was, he was riding donkeys, <laughs> right. but okay. he was, he became sort of a crowd favorite for his racing, his racing antics. He wasn't the most polite jockey. He wasn't anything like that. He was bumping and he was riding people into the rails. Used to, um, used to do that thing where he'd ride standing up on the saddle. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. With like take- a, Take like someone a, out, out there yeah. and do a handstand and he'd hold them up. It was oh, just yeah. great With trick. like a Ukrainian blonde chick on his shoulders. Yeah, um, exactly. mm. So it was, he, he, he kind of, he, he, he wasn't very well liked by other jockeys and people in the racing world, but the crowd loved him. He was crowd favorite. Um, and anyway, in towards like, like near the end of his sort of, he, he was in 1936, he was 19. He didn't have a long career. But he um he had a very eventful career, and he had on on one of the second last day of the racing Californian racing, he um of the season he mounted a horse. <laughs> oh God, you're gonna that one. No wonder the crowd yeah. loved him. How was he doing that? <laughs> My God, one of his trick. on the saddle. Yeah. One of He's his mounts was was a horse by the name of Flanikins. Uh a, a, a pretty nuffy horse, to be honest. It wasn't, it was a, it was a bit of a nothing race, but what there was actually, you've mentioned Bing Crosby before, but jockey mm. of the year at this Bay Meadows, at this Bay Meadows racetrack, Bing Crosby gave the, gave them uh, a watch. So oh, if wow. you were, if you were the most popular jockey at the end of the year or the most winningest jockey at the end of the year, you actually got given a watch given to you by out of Bing Crosby's collection. And can I ask this? Did Bing Crosby have that watch up his ass? <laughs> I, I, I hope not. Uh, and did his did dad? Yeah. <laughs> he, do, he got dysentery. <laughs> so he gave it a watch. <laughs> and now I give it to you. And, uh, yeah, exactly. He bought and it then out he of the new catalogue that was out recently called Time Magazine. Right, yes. of course. Yes. Correct. Yes, uh, yes <laughs> it's, it's all of that. Um, but he, he, he really wanted to win this watch. And it was the second last race of the day. He'd, he'd raced two winners earlier in the day, Ralph, Mr. Mm. Nevers. He had and no, he was on. He had, he had no idea what time it was. No <laughs> idea what time it was. He, he could have been, yeah, lunchtime. He was hungry. He's it's time to mount a horse. That's time time to mount a horse. That's it was all he knew. He was on hate. Mm. Um, and all he could think about was winning this, winning this watch, winning this watch. And he was like, oh, God, like, that's all I want to do. I want to be jockey of the year. Bang, bang, bang. Anyway. Got out of the gates clean on Flanagan's. He's racing well. Seemed like he seemed like he was gonna. He was. He jumped out early. He was leading the pack, mm. which you know, if you fall off the horse and you're coming first, you're in trouble. Um, and, <laughs> and Flanagan's lurched and threw him off, and mm. basically the whole field trampled over the top of him. Uh, um, oh. the, 
Did the crowd go, oh, it's just one of his antics again? Or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, the, yeah, they, they, the whole crowd went like went deadly silent. Uh, track physician J.A. Warburton ran onto the track, checked his pulse and just shook his head. Oscar Otis, the PA system announcer, he announces the death of Ralph Nevis. And he says, we regret to inform you that the jockey Ralph Nevis is dead. Please stand in a silent prayer. Mm. And... Oh. Um, if you if you if you did bet on this, cash in your tickets now. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> However, the flock like if your multi was for the uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for him to die. It was paying ten bucks for him to die. Bucks. Really good. Uh, yeah, sports bet paid out uh, straight away, but the tab, <laughs> cheeky bastards, they made you hold on. <laughs> we, want a, we want a second opinion from the coroner thank you yeah, exactly much. they wanted they wanted to talk to dr horace stevens <laughs> um so dr horace stevens the funniest thing is he actually got picked up in a in a um a ute or a, like a like a pickup truck mm. and was taken to the hospital in the back of the tray so he was never actually taken because it wasn't but it was because of him and because of this incident the two things in current racing have now changed is the presence of an ambulance at every racetrack around the world. And also the, the, uh, like you have to wear a helmet. If you're a jockey are two reasons that they both got turned into, to, to international horse racing laws after this incident. Yeah. Probably picking up a, a dead guy and like throwing him into the back, <laughs> back of, of a ute, ute. <laughs> in front of a crowd is yeah. not great. Anyway, Years are uh, the San Francisco physician, Dr. Horace Stevens, who was actually an employee of the, the stables that Nevers worked for. Um, he was in the back of the ute with Nevers and they get to the hospital. He, he, he saw a flicker of an eyelid that he believed he saw a flicker of an eyelid, but there are obviously when there are sort of post-mortem sort of reactions that people can have and bodies can have, like whether it be mm. them, shitting themselves or like uh, I've my auntie's a nurse and she was working in the mo- oh, she, she shat herself <laughs> no she took a she took a body down to the more a body down to the morgue inside the hospital in England oh, and the go. body next to her sat up and yelled was like ah! and then went back and it was like it was like and, a, and she did shit herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. scared shitless um but he decided that he was going to do one more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Finish that story. <laughs> well, you can't go back to the. I said I said the guy was dead. He sat up, yelled, and then was actually dead. But it was like a, a, a I don't know what it was. I don't know. I'm not. A, ask your wife. Shit. <laughs> ask your wife. I'm not asking her that because that's one of those ones where oh, she'll yeah, just right. roll her eyes at me and go, have you been yeah. talking to that idiot Tom again? I'm <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it got to the hospital. He saw it. He saw a shallow breath and a twitch of an eyelid. And he goes, mm. hang on one second here. Grabbed an adrenaline injection and stabbed it straight into Nevis's heart. Nevis sits bolt upright and screams. <laughs> and, the nurse says, my auntie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and he's like wide awake, completely conscious. Doesn't remember anything about the fall, but can remember one thing about being on the ground before the other horses uh, ran over the top of him was that he was missing a boot and that he was his, his pants were covered in blood but he doesn't remember anything else he gets up off the table jumps jumps in a cab outside the hospital and heads straight back to the racetrack and he goes straight into the jockey's locker room and he and he patches up some of his like scrapes 
and and some of his like bruising and he covers that up and he puts new silks on and he walks out to the track or track announcer and is like, I want to race again. I want to race again. But after being after on his way to the on his way to the um the track announcer, all the crowd start cottoning on. They're like, hang on a second, is that Ralph Nevis? And they all start going ballistic. No one's worrying about what horse race is going on. They all see him, they're all going nuts. And there's like twenty thousand people and they're completely and utterly fixated on this one guy. And well, right yeah, he was dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Funny, right man. in front of right in front of the biggest part of the crowd, he faints again. <laughs> Oh, and the, and the this guy is an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Ralph Nevers. Um, he's alive. Oh, yeah. no. yeah. oh, and then Horace, come, Horace comes over, feels his pulse, and goes, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's dead again. Where's um, that Ute? <laughs> but obviously, he is taken back to the, the first aid room because they're like, If he's dying again, we don't want, to, we don't want the public to see him die twice yeah. in one day. <laughs> They actually, they find out that he just, the, that the adrenaline hadn't quite worn off and that the whole crowd and everything just got the better of him. He fainted wow. and he's absolutely fine. He was sent home for the day. The next day though, Nevis comes back for the final day of riding in California and he rode a full, a full slate of mounts and he won five of his eight on the last day. So he was dead the day before. He yeah. won five of his eight rides the next day. How do you handicap a jockey who's a ghost yeah, exactly. at that point? Yeah. Like, how much? Yeah, I mean, all these horses the are carrying 60, yeah, exactly. 69 kilos. They're all. Because, yeah. Tommy, wasn't, what was the headline of one of those newspapers? Wasn't there a famous headline with him? Nevis, yeah, Nevers. It was the San Francisco Examiner. And it was Nevers called dead in fall, denies it. <laughs> <laughs> That uh that was the friends uh, that the san francisco uh, examiner wrote that but yeah he won the watch from bing crosby ah, um wow. and obviously bing. that was the most that was the most illustrious sort of part of his career he didn't he didn't have he didn't have the most incredible career but he raced for another 28 years after that he um he actually eventually died for real uh in 1995 <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, he passed away from uh, from cancer, but huh. he was he was entered into the Racing Hall of Fame um, as just I think purely based on the fact that that was his shining light in his career. Like that's All right, an incredible Tommy. moment. Let's talk casting, mate. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I I feel like jockeys, you really you really narrow yourself in there. I mean, mm, Danny I, DeVito. Danny yeah. DeVito, Joe but I mean. Pesci. I was thinking a cheap option. We could go Nick if he could if he could do like a Portuguese American <laughs> accent. Um, he's jo- he's pint sized. Yeah. You'd have to shave, but that's because old Ralphie boy looked like he was twelve. Uh, his horse, uh, I think, obviously Winks is the only option. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's the most famous horse in the world I can think of that's still alive. That's not taxidermy. Who would play Horace, the Doctor? That that's a good question. Wrong. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe uh, the professor's brother, um, but I'm not sure. He's, I mean, he's he devilishly handsome, and he's, he would love he's a real so, doctor. You know what? He would fit that. I could, <laughs> see, him, I could see him dressed 1930s style. Totally. Quaff to the fucking well, And I shit. guess if yeah. there is a doctor that's going to pronounce someone dead that's not, it's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. He's a very doc- good doctor. Yeah, so Dr. Horace. I mean, there's not actually that many other characters I can think of right now, but I mean... And who who drives the meat truck that picks him up? Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, 
I, my auntie wants a gig so she could be in the morgue. <laughs> well, um, she lost a job because she <laughs> shat herself <laughs> while on shift. <laughs> I'd drive the meat truck because um, I'm yeah. cool like that. Yeah. Um, What's the name of your film, Tommy? The name of my yeah. film uh, would be called... 10 to 1, dead or alive. Oh, that's, oh, good. that's good. 10 to 1, dead or alive. Or, yeah. And then it can have a double meaning because it turns out when he died, it was 10 a.m. And yeah. when he got back to the track, it was 1 p.m. Oh, yeah. man, that's good. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it happened at 12.50. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, someone had a good to watch. <laughs> someone got I mean, you can tell the watch. time now because he's been even bigger like this. Oh, yeah, very good. Or, 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 or another name would be called the stinky timepiece. One of the two. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can have, you have different names for different markets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's my story, guys. Very right. good, Tommy. Well done, Nevers. All right, Nick. Now you've, right there. Nick, you've kept your um, you yeah. kept your person a secret. This mm. time. Yeah. I've Which got, all black are we doing, Nick? No, I've, I've stared away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to leave the title to the end. But uh, 1994. It's a controversial way to do your credits, but I'll. Is, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to advertise the movie. I'm just going to. What's this movie called that we're going to see? I don't know. We haven't seen it yet. <laughs> just watch it, and then we'll name it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1994, Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, um, they were playing uh, July 15th, 1994 at Comiskey Park in Chicago. So it was yep. the Cleveland Indians with Chicago White Sox. And uh, it was the first innings. Um, White Sox manager, uh, Gene Lamont, was tipped off that the Indians batter, Albert Bell, was using a corpse baseball bat. Now, under the rules, you can, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to challenge one opponent's bat per game. Um, so apparently, I, I had to sort of uh, read up on this, but I don't know what I understand why people were corking their bats. But apparently, what it is is a cork bat enables you uh, enables you to swing the bat quicker, like uh, yep. quicker bat speed without losing much power. And so, um, so that's what they were doing. But <clears throat> um, the home plate umpire confiscated the bat and he put it in his locker um, and examined after the game. And so at that point, the Cleveland Indians they panic because they knew. The bat was corked because um, all of um, all, all all of Albert Bell's um, bats were corked, right? And so all of the- his wine bottles were open. <laughs> oh, I was going to say they all took a sip of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's got very flat champagne. <laughs> um, and so the one of the Cleveland Indian pitchers, uh, Jason Grimsley, weirdly said he walked in with the umpires that day and saw that there was a false ceiling above the locker room and said he could climb into the roof from the Indians dressing room, walk along the cinder blocks uh, framing and then get into the umpire's locker room. And so he said that to his his manager and then the manager gave him the green light to do that. I'm not too sure which hand signal um, that was, like (laughs) what combination of hand signals he'd have to do to get that uh, particular move to be played out, but that's what he did. And so he went inside, he took his jersey off, um, put some sneakers on, put batting gloves on, uh, got a flashlight and put a mask over his face. And then um, 
as I said before, Albert doesn't have any, like, he's just a proper cheater. Like, all of his bats are corked. And so he found a bat that looked similar to Albert Bell's, but it was a called Paul Sorrento's <laughs> bat. And so he found some pine, uh, put some pine tar, um, pine tar on it, put a little resin in it, made it look as though it had been, like, sort of used or was going to be used for the game. Um, climbed up into the to the ventilation um, uh, part or the false ceiling. After 45 minutes of crawling through wires, um, crowd, uh, you know, small spacing ventilation ducts, he thought he got to the umpire's room. He lifted the tile off, then looked down, and it was the groundskeeper's room for the White Sox. And the groundskeeper saw him, and then he was up in the roof just going, I've been caught. But then he just goes puts his uh, fingers to his mouth to say shush and then <laughs> puts the pot tile back on what? <laughs> and the groundskeeper's like oh yeah that's normal but look he gave me, <laughs> like he gave me the sign Who, yeah i'm not going to tell anyone well i was going to say something but then he <laughs> <laughs> but then he shushed me yeah and we all know not to you know and also who's going to believe him that he saw an indian in the in the in the, in the bus <laughs> 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 of, of the thing so um so then he so uh so he carries on um, it took him an hour and a half or five and a half innings to make the switch. <laughs> the White Sox, they suspect that there's been a, a break-in after the game because one of the ceiling tiles in the umpire's room is sort of misplaced. And, um, and also and groundskeeper, the groundskeeper was, says, <laughs> I've seen someone up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw one of their star pitchers uh, in the roof and I'm not too sure what he's doing. Um, so apparently there's a former FBI agent who's affiliated with him at uh, the Major League Baseball. They got him on the case and for the next uh, couple of days, they start doing fingerprints and all that kind of stuff. Now, Grimsley's not worried because he was wearing baseball gloves and so they couldn't fit it on him. And so they got away with the, they got away with the switch, but the umpires knew something up was up. And here's why. Because <laughs> the bat... Um, you know how I said it was like they swapped it for a guy called Paul Sorrento. Yeah. So the reason why they thought something was up was because it had Paul Sorrento's name on the bat. <laughs> 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 and so that's, that's how he got found out. Oh my that's God. That's fantastic. Oh, and so, idiot. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. So it was like the perfect crime was like, let's call it Ocean's Nine Innings. Yes. Hey, nice. Like well, Ocean done. five and a half innings. That would be better. <laughs> but yeah, so they had like all these different, like they just literally got away with it. A couple of questions for me. One, how unimportant is Grimsley to be away for five and a half innings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also as well, like they've got, he's, they, Surely that would have been a thing to not have the guy, the other guy's name on the bat. That would have been a thing, like because if he if he's mm. pushing, if he's putting so much effort into putting resin and tar and getting gloves and all that kind of stuff. And and the other thing as well, I feel like that's all he wanted to do in life was to do this mission because he had yeah. all the gear there. That's right. <laughs> exactly. he was ready to go. Why, yeah, why did he take a torch to a baseball? <laughs> exactly. Look, guys, why do you have a mag light and a balaclava? <laughs> <laughs> Not important. This would happen. <laughs> what what yeah. I want to know is what was the groundskeeper up to mm. that he got caught so that he's going... This guy on the roof, I don't want him talking either. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's up to something dodgy in his little groundskeeper. Yeah. He was probably the 
guy. Well, no, apparently he was. Well, he wasn't um, wearing pants, which was. They, yeah. so they both did this, Barney. Is that what you're saying? They both just yeah, they at both the same did. time. I won't yeah. tell if you don't. All right. Apparently, <laughs> apparently he was mounting the Cleveland Indians mascot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very. Uh, def- uh, they, oh. Everyone had masks on. It was great. Um, but uh, I, I'm just thinking, Albert Bell, you need someone who's like this aggressive, sort of um, uh, big, burly cheater. Um, I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe like a Russell Crowe type situation. Yeah, or, or I'm going to toss this up, Richie McCall. Yeah. <laughs> if you not need a, a cheater, one. not a bad yeah. one. Yeah, but no, but Cleveland Indians have won two World Series in a row, so it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to be realistic <laughs> real with that. So I'm a bit more of a method caster. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Richie McCaw yeah. would be a problem as the guy who climbed in the roof, though, because he, if we did it with Richie McCaw, you'd find he's just in the walls, in the sides. Yes, yeah, than- yeah. He would never come. He'd never come over the top. He'd, no. he'd be sort of hands in the side, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, but he but he would have done it in only one innings, so that was. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't want to get. You don't. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, pretty hard yeah. to cast. Like he'd never be on his feet, which would be hard. Like shoot that low. Yeah. 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 I think he's the one in the ducts. <laughs> <laughs> he's Grimsley. Yeah, he's Grimsley the whole time. Yeah, but um, yeah, we need a we need we need a love interest, but maybe that could be the mascot. So, um, so yeah. we've got we've got that in there. Um, but uh, Emma Stone's gonna be making money. <laughs> Emma Stone's so. Emma Stone the giant and, <laughs> and uh, the professor's volunteered to play the groundskeeper. Yeah. <laughs> James is like, I don't care. It's a non-speaking role. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> Very good. All right. Um, and, and that's it, Nick. That's your... That's the movie. That's the Guys, movie. that was very well, good. Mm. Uh, that is four blockbusters yeah. um, in the making. And um, I hope James Cameron listens to this and he um, gets in contact with us. Um, that was the Professor and Barney podcast featuring Tom and Nick. Again, we do encourage you get on, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think, or maybe get on our socials and you might have an idea for a movie about a sports mm-hmm. story that you want to do. Our Twitter yeah. is narrow world OS and our Facebook and our Instagram and narrow world of sports. Get on there and, and leave a message for us. Um, finally, as we do each week, we encourage you to, recommend us to somebody you don't like um just really stick it up them yeah. i wonder how many people now when we look at our listens are people that don't like us it's probably well, a pretty high percentage i mean judging by the comments i'd say i'd say a good 99.9 okay oh, hey well let's do this for that point one <laughs> Doesn't matter. um Tommy, what do you got for us next week, mate? Absolutely nothing, guys. I'm really excited about it. Um, It should be a good one. All right. Very good. That was us. (laughs) Good night. Farewell. Adieu. Bye-bye.